Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Well, it's still not quite. When this goes it live, is for it's, me. It's, it's New Year's <laughs> Eve Eve, just like it was Christmas Eve Eve on the last one. Don't you think you can say Happy New Year like from the day Christmas is over for like two weeks? Yeah, I totally do that. Okay. I, I was talking to this lady on the phone. Um, this Riley has a doctor's appointment on the third and they have reminded me in every channel. I'm expecting like a carrier pigeon to drop a reminder on my porch like they've reminded me in every possible channel and this lady called and then we had to change insurance. So I was talking to her for a while and she says, and happy January 1st. I, c- I just couldn't watch her for a second. She just blanked. <laughs> oh, I'm like, wait, is new year's not allowed anymore? <laughs> no, what's happening? And you could tell in her voice, like happy Jan- January 1st. And then pause. And she goes, I, I couldn't think of new year. Happy new year. So happy new year to you too. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, you know, you have those brain farts, right? So, I mean, I think everybody is a little off. Like we're sort of surprised it's new year. And I think we're like, we're surprised to be heading into another year already. Aren't you? Yes. Yes, totally. And also um, I've seen a lot of, of things of the flavor of you know, I'm not making any New Year's resolutions. It's the circumstances chance to change for once, right? It's your <laughs> turn to change this time. I'm not <laughs> like even in the life coach school where I'm, uh, where I'm certified, where the idea is like, it's all your thoughts. Everyone's like, you know what? The sea line has got to alter this year. I'm not doing this again. And the C being circumstances, circumstances, right? For everybody yes. who doesn't know. I figured the context of my first comment, but thank just, you. Just making sure, because I had to think about it for more than half a second. So yeah. Circumstances chance to change this time. I think um, it's fair. It's yeah, really right. quite, the, quite the experience. Right. And so today, by your request, we're doing a deep dive into the patriarchy and the way that no, it- <laughs> no, no, how dare you? <laughs> no, we'll do another nice one. Who knows if it'll be nice? This is one of my favorite topics at my favorite time of the year. So I'm really looking forward to just talking. And I also feel really disoriented from my normal process that I go through this year. My mom even said to me, Um, oh, I didn't think you were going to do your vision board this year for the first time in so long. And I was like, oh no, I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see. I mean, everything is so disoriented. And I think even last year, my my family used to start a tradition a few years ago where we did vision boards on New Year's Eve. We don't go anywhere. We're not big New Year's people. Like if we knew somebody was having a giant party, maybe, but we're not big New Year's people. We have a kid, not a lot of babysitters. So a few years ago, we just started putting on movies and then we would spread out on the floor and do vision boards for the year. But last year we didn't. It's just like this year kicked my ass so hard that my vision is to just survive next year. <laughs> but what was and so- we usually have a vision board party, like, well, not party because that is a little too excitable for what it really is. We usually have a vision board open house where 
either on New Year's Day or like the weekend right nearby. We just have like food and alcohol and like an open house. And I set out all these like little stations so people can come and just like cut out pictures and make a little vision board. And most people weirdly for me um, have never made a, a vision board who come, although of course our friends who come like for a second year or third year, they get used to it, but we're in a new city. And of course we didn't do that during COVID, you know, right. we didn't have people over to make vision boards and we certainly weren't going to plan like a big party this year with, you know, the, all the surge and the new variant and all that stuff. So yeah, I we feel like we, we're kind of still in that weird space. We canceled one of our other, we don't have a lot of Christmas traditions because it's just three of us. And um, now Eric's mom lives here. So, I mean, she's here often in the winter. So now we have a little mini tradition where we have her over for Christmas Eve. That's our big, like more formal dinner, right? That's like the, we're celebrating mm-hmm. and we have candles and whatever. And then Christmas day, we sit around in pajamas and binge sweets. And we have what's called everything breakfast. We christened it that after one year um, when Riley was little and we said, we're, everybody gets what they want for Christmas morning breakfast. What do you want? And she said, the green beans that you pop the, pe- the beans out of. I think she meant edamame. <laughs> she meant edamame. And a lot Wait, did pop- Riley say that? Or yeah, Riley mom, said Your mother-in-law. Okay. No, no, Riley said so. The green beans that you pop and a lollipop and bacon and steak. Um, (laughs) So now we call that everything breakfast because you can have anything you want. But uh, one of our other traditions that I started and Eric didn't realize it it was a tradition was taking his mom to Fleming's, the fancy steakhouse in town between Christmas and New Year's, right? Um, And I had booked that and then I canceled it. I said, yeah, I don't really want my lobster bisque with a side of Omicron. So we'll just stay home. We'll go another time. And it's been such a weird season. Like we were going to be gone right after Christmas for several days to Colorado to see my dad, who I've barely spent any time with this year. My dad and I are super close. So that's really unusual. Um, but we've really barely spent any time together. And then, um, and I haven't stayed with him because of COVID and, you know, my dad is a higher health. I mean, he's, he's in his seventies, right? Everybody who's older is a higher health risk. We're just concerned about him. And then I, if you can't tell in the sound, I have a cold. So now we were like, well, I guess we're not going to Colorado to, yeah. to do that. So it, it really is like this weird, everything feels a little off kilter. And also I've been using my new normal blend that you made last year because it was supposed to be this like reopening right. and right. Like, well, no, we're I in mean, this limbo. I made new normal the middle of this year. Because last Christmas was really awful. We were in our spike. The vaccines weren't out yet. And then last spring, this spring, spring 21, the spring, yeah, there was all this spring. hopefulness. People were getting vaccinated. We were kind of taking a breath like, oh, finally, thank God we're going to come out of this. And then the shit show that that has been. And <laughs> so I made new normal in the summer. Thinking, you didn't. You made it in the spring because I ordered all those cards before Peggy's accident, like okay. a month all before. Right. All right. So late spring, yeah. Um, in t- intending that the summer would be the reopening. Right. And we kind of did reopen in the summer. There was a lot of traveling, whatever, but now it's like, fuck, it's the second Christmas in a row where we're kind of hunkered down. I know that not everybody is, but I think that's kind of foolish. <laughs> um, 
then it's gonna but I lead. think even though like even people who have been doing some things nobody's doing anything all out that I know like somebody I know people have been like I'm just gonna pop over and see my mom but we're not no none of the siblings are coming like it's definitely more no matter what's happening it's still seems more muted yeah it's very subdued and like the Fleming's dinner you know, if that was something more important, a funeral or a wedding or something, maybe we would reconsider, but I'm like, it's just a steak dinner. It can wait. There's no reason to be dining indoors for no reason. Plus you you have a sous vide, you can make your own awesome steak. It's true. Although, but I can't make their lobster bisque as well as their lobster bisque is insanely good. Sorry. It's very good. But yeah, I think there's just this feeling of like everything's a little off kilter. And I'm definitely taking that into planning. Like I made a vision board um, in the middle of last year, like in May, right after you made the new normal, I think like, so I usually only make my vision board in the summer. Like, I mean, and I usually take the week between Christmas and New Year's. And then if it's not done, it spills over till the beginning of the year. But I usually work on my vision board and I do this really intensive process that helps me vision cast and figure out what I'm doing, make my goals for the year. And it's this really, it's become this really sacred time in my life. And I sort of like read in the middle of 2020, I sort of like made a small vision board in the middle of the summer like, okay, it's time. All that was out the window. And then it was like, same thing in the middle of, you know, this last year, like I made a little one at Christmas, but I still like made one in the summer. And I don't, I don't know if I feel like, I mean, there's definitely this feeling of like, yeah, the circumstances have to give like, and in my own life too, way above and beyond just COVID and what everybody's dealing with. I mean, I certainly wasn't expecting you know, all the crazy insanity we've had in our life, you know, rewriting our life for the year. But I haven't even begun to like look at where did I think the goals were going to be in 20 at the end of 2020. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and what's really interesting to me too, is that and maybe you can say if this is how it felt for you, but I think this is the feeling is that 2020 felt like it went on for decades and right. 2021 was like, wait, where did the year go? Like it went by really fast. Yeah. Which is why I said in the beginning, like, it's almost like a surprise. Like I printed that meme out that you sent me for my journal about 2021 is proof that time flies even when you're not having fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> or maybe even more when you're not having fun. Right. Like, I don't know where this year went. And this is for sure. When a, this, I mean, it's hard for me to think that this wasn't the hardest year of our, our life personally in our family. And, I would um, hope so. Right. Like I would hope God willing, this this will be the hardest year in our life. This sets the benchmark never to be exceeded because I don't know any, like you got the, the, all of the trauma that's usually in a family spread out over the family history all in one month. Yeah. And just, yeah. And then drug out for the half of the year, but, and you, you're all in one month too. I meant all in one year is what I meant. Yeah. In one year for sure. But then I mean, you've been talking about that as we've been reviewing the year, like the cost of walking through this hard season with like, as you walked through with me, but I think we all feel that with each other because there's been such a heavy cost to, um, 
this season, the last couple of years in most people's life. And then of course, like the grieving and the processing and just surviving life that was going on in our life personally. And like the way that you, you know, kept, you stayed in that with, with us and with me and generated in that space. And it's been, um, I think that's true of so many people. Like if it wasn't happening directly to you in some way that was like really devastating, this season was happening to all of us in a way that costs everyone. Yeah. I mean, there were families that went through 2020 basically untouched by COVID, you know, in anything serious way. Like my family, we had some people in the extended family and my younger brother is suffering a little bit of long COVID, but he's young and healthy, you know, but in mm-hmm. 2021, there's, that's just not true anymore. There's just nobody that wasn't touched directly or Plus, I don't know if that's true like just with what was happening in the world in 2020 like I think all the I mean maybe we didn't have deaths in their families I, I was talking we survived yeah. that but the constant fear that people were living with and all that stuff and yeah it's plans true. being I'm, changed and disconnected and schools and work and I mean everything got reevaluated yeah, that's true. I, I didn't mean totally untouched because obviously we weren't untouched, but we didn't have any deaths in my extended family in 2020, but in 2021 we did. And, and um, also a really close call right over Christmas in Eric's extended family. So um, like at this yeah. point, everyone's lost somebody. I don't think anybody hasn't lost someone. Yeah, I think it's, well, I don't, we haven't in our family yet. I mean, from You've COVID, we haven't. We have, we've had enough other bad things we get to escape COVID so far but um you know we're in this like potential third spike everybody's kind of or fourth or whatever we're calling it with Omicron is that how you say it I every time I'm like Omicron 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 there you go and um I think everybody I still just feel a little like disoriented although when I look at so so I want to share like the process that I go through because I think it's really important. Like a lot of people make goals and that's fine. Like I'm not a new year's resolution kind of person. I just like this season. Like I feel like life slows down a little bit and you do this, you know, generally like around your birthday in a month or two. Right. Yeah. I I'm more, I'm more likely to do it around my birthday. Number one, because I'm just ornery and I don't like to do anything that everybody's doing. Um, And number two, it feels more, I don't know, like, it's my trip around the sun, not the earth's trip around the sun. <laughs> That's more important, right? Like why? Yeah, I mean, that? however we mark it, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it matters what time of year you do this. I do think that having sort of a sacred space that you can have some downtime and enter in. And that's always just been like, everything's a little different between Christmas and the beginning first week of the year, just in the rhythm and pace of my work always. And so it's been a really good season to take time to reflect and be together. And um, how I do this is I usually, usually it like, I just do like a year in review and then um, like kind of an assessment process. And then looking at like, what goals did I fulfill on? Um, Like taking stock, like what did I fulfill on? What didn't I, what lessons did I learn? But in the last few years, since we did landmark, I've started being much more intentional about looking at like, what is there to complete on from the year? Yeah. And maybe that came also out of the wisdom course, because they have a beautiful like event um, that they do online, I think every year around completing the year. But 
that seems much harder this year than any year before. Like I've been talking to you about, holy crap, how am I ever going to get complete with this year? Um, because you don't, you can't create on top of a bunch of crap. You can't create yeah. well on top of a bunch of crap. So looking at how you um, get whole and get like kind of reconciled. So there's a zero balance sheet as you're heading into creating and wanting to generate something new is a really important part of the process for me. Yeah. And I've I used all pause. kinds of workbooks. Wait, I want to pause you because I'm a minute sorry. ago I said circumstances and the very next line said C and you were like, what does that mean? But you're talking about getting complete as if anybody would know what that is who hasn't done Landmark. So let's create. We've talked about it on the podcast, haven't we? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. All right. Well, go ahead and create getting complete. Well, I was going to ask you to create it too. I mean, maybe we can create it together, but um, it's not even like the, the, the common thing that everyone likes to say is closure, but yeah. that is, that's not what it is. And also often you can't get closure, but you can still get complete. Yes. Um, so why don't you create it? Create what getting complete is for you. Well, I, I always look at it as this. I mean, this is how I look at it. It's the space that God creates from, right? Like in this very sacred way for me, when I look at it, like it, my favorite or one of my favorite verses in scriptures says, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And, you know, it starts the creation story. Right. Right. And so there's this, and also like from Genesis, right? Like in the beginning, um, there was nothing. And if you really want to generate and you're only generating on top of old things, you're not generating something really new and a real, something that can be like its own creation. And that's mostly what we go through life doing. So I think we spend years in therapy, which I'm not discounting anything from therapy. Everybody should go to therapy with a really good therapist. Um, but I, I think that unless we learn um, essentially to separate like life, well, okay, let me say it like this. The Landmark Forum is about getting to nothing, like really getting to a place where you can look at your life and take responsibility for the stories you've told about your life. Right. Spoiler and, alert. And, spoiler <laughs> alert. And I'm not ruining it. Like no, you, you no, have you to go through. Like if you could give somebody a piece of paper and be like, and this is the end, like it's an experience that you have to go through to get right. to that point. And I, I, it's a super wonderful, beautiful, powerful course. I think, you know, again, everybody should do it, mm -hmm. but the but idea wait. is, okay. Go I was going to say, cause I want to create getting to nothing too. Cause you're kind of begging the question, like the way you get complete is you get to nothing, <laughs> but we have to really create what that means for someone who hasn't been through it. So continue but I'll keep interrupting you if I feel like you're just talking in circles. So, no, I was going to say the idea is that we have um, to find a way to get a, a clean, like I said earlier, a little bit of a clean slate with each other, because mostly we look at like, I want to lose weight because I'm tired of being fat. And it's only about um, the whole history of the story of what we've, um, whatever things we've done, not done. And it's not about like generating from a place that's really a powerful place that's not without taking life and, you know, everything into account, but without being like not, there's like a detachment from it and also a way of being responsible for it that comes from the process of getting complete. And I don't think you have to go to Landmark 
to get complete about things, but for sure, it's the fastest way to do it. Everybody should just sign up for the forum. You can go online now, which is amazing. 700 bucks. We'll all do yeah. this next week and the world will be different. Yeah. Ter- but- seriously. I tell people, I'm like, you can get 10 years of personal development in three days of sitting in a chair. And it used to be sitting in an uncomfortable chair, but now that you can do it at home, it's the chair of your choice. Um, <laughs> For $700, it's the deal of a lifetime, but let's talk about, so you're still using a lot of, um, I just want to create the terms because you're still using okay, a lot of terms. Go, go for it. If, can you do it better? I, I don't it. know, maybe, <laughs> but, um, so you talked about getting complete, being responsible and getting to nothing. And they're all really, um, connected. So the end result of getting to nothing means that you've kind of collected everything that's let's, let's talk about one specific thing. Let's say that you have, you break up with somebody, you have a big breakup. It's a big, ugly breakup. Maybe this one's too complicated. So if it's not, then no, it's a good example. So let's say that in 2021, you broke up with a long-term partner, you know, and one of the ways that we go on with incompletions is we continue to tell ourselves stories about what happened and what it meant. And that person's a jerk and they must not have loved me. It must be because I'm too controlling or because my mom or whatever reasons we just, you can't trust men or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we start to attach all these things. Like that means I'm always going to be alone. This means I ruin every relationship I'm ever in. This means I only attract assholes, whatever it is. It's usually not something great. Right. And it usually it's connected to an earlier story too. Like stories overlapping on top of each other. Right. Exactly. Like, Oh, this is this just like, I I always knew this was going to happen. My first boyfriend left me too. And it's usually like incompletions aren't usually positive stories. Like I'll always remember how we went to watch the fireworks and what a beautiful night that was like, that's not (laughs) an incompletion. So getting complete is like looking at everything, all the circumstances, like we were talking a minute ago about the training I have, the circumstances being neutral and just being like, that's just what happened. He said this and we decided to not see each other romantically anymore. And that is what happened. That's, and that's it. There's no meaning. It doesn't mean anything for the future. It doesn't mean anything for the past. It doesn't mean anything about me. And you can still take lessons learned. Like I, I, we decided not to see each other anymore. And based on that, I know now that I don't want to be around someone who has addictions, for example, but it doesn't have to mean like I broke up with an addicted asshole. So you can take the learnings (laughs) from it, but you, um, I mean, I love what they say, which is like, I did what I did. I didn't do what I didn't do. I said what I, I said. What I, I, got, say, yeah. I got what I got. I didn't get what I didn't get. He said what he said. He didn't say what he didn't say. And it's kind of like just letting it. And that's where the word complete comes from. It's like, what happened is a thing. It exists as itself and it doesn't exist as anything else. We were romantically involved. We decided not to be romantically involved anymore. This is what I got. And now it's closed complete and the responsible part. And I know you get this a little better than I do. I think I'm finally getting responsibility and choice, but the part about being responsible is like recognizing yourself as the actor in your life that causes everything, not as a place that's true, but as a place that's really powerful. So like I chose him for the reasons I chose him. I didn't choose someone else because of the reasons I didn't choose someone else. I stayed for this reason. I left for this reason. I did it all just as a way of like getting control 
Well, and I made up all the meaning about it. I made right. up what everything means even more than that because the circumstances are the circumstances. But if we make them mean different things then that are disempowering, I think that what you said like really helpfully was this idea of being neutral. Like there's no energy, like the negative energy is taken out of it. And when there's not the negative energy taken out of it, two people can go through literally identical circumstances but what they put in front of them going forward is completely different. Can I give an example about that? And then we can talk about responsibility. Yeah, but I wanted to, before you give the example, I wanted to add a clarification point, which is this doesn't mean pretending something bad didn't happen or being all Pollyanna and covering it over. Like he punched me and oh, well, it doesn't mean that. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right. Well, you've talked so much about how abusive that is really. Right. I mean, yeah, on it's the not, podcast, like, yeah, it's really yeah, it's not, not it's not about gaslighting yourself. Like, even if you're leaving, so this breakup is now becoming darker and darker. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, even if you're leaving because the person had a drug addiction, let's say, and you don't want any part of that, it doesn't mean like, well, I guess I'm just, I'm saying drugs are, you know, bad and that's not for me to say or whatever. It's not this Pollyanna, whatever, like you can still have boundaries, but you take away the meaning of like, I'm dumb for doing that. Or he's an asshole. You just like, he did this. And because of that, I don't want to be with him. The end. Right. Right. But yeah, it's not, it's not gaslighting yourself and pretending things didn't happen. Um, Give your example, but I can also talk about some stuff in the forum too. That was like incredibly powerful when people got complete with this kind of stuff. Well, I was just going to give the example because we're talking about relationships. I have a friend and they have um, been in a sets of relationships that have all ended in being cheated on. And if my friend had actually gotten complete, it would be really different in their current relationship. But in their current relationship, there's a constant fear of that happening again, because they're generating on top of the story that everybody leaves or that everybody cheats or that um, this is this is just how this is going to go. And I don't have any control over it. So they're bringing the past, what happened into the future in a way that it doesn't generate something positive. And you can always tell because like Lynn said, there's all this intense negative pull. Like it's almost like elect- like an electric power. And these stories have it's always so much easier to see other people's than your own also. Of course. So d- discussing and, and talking through these things in community is very powerful. Um, even though I do love journaling through things and stuff like that, but um, can you kind of see like, I mean, I know you can, but hopefully the people listening can see like someone who goes through six breakups or 10 breakups or four, and there's all these um, and they've all gone a certain way. And the story is that that's how it always goes. They take that into the current relationship and they generate experiences that make that outcome more likely, even though what they want is that outcome not to happen. (laughs) And if they're generating from a place of completeness without the electric yuck that came from all that hurt and disappointment and sadness and grief, if they can create from a place without the negative charge, then they can create from a place that has the power to be more positive and whole. Yeah. And part of that is one of your favorite topics, which is processing through your emotions (laughs) to where- How dare you, Lynn? We aren't talking about that today, I'm sure. (laughs) 
Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, to make this a little more serious for a second, I mean, not that that wasn't serious, but I've watched people get complete with the most horrific abuse, right. um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, all kinds of things. And some other, some things so they've done, things that have been done to them. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I've also watched people see them getting complete, get so hung up on this feeling that it's excusing, like say I've watched, so, so I'm not telling, this is like an abstraction. This is not a real story, but I have watched, cause I've been to a bunch of forums and a bunch of other stuff, but many times people will talk about child sexual abuse that they experienced mm-hmm. in their childhood. Yeah. And they'll get, they'll get complete with it and they, they get, there's something very healing and they, they talk about feeling how they're set free, but I've watched other people get hooked by that because they end up with a story that it means we're saying that what was done to them was okay. And that's not what this is. That's not like, well, um, I was molested by my uncle and, um, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> that's not at all what this is like, you can stand and be like, I was molested by my uncle. That was not okay. That's not acceptable. He needs to be in jail. Um, he hurt 100%. me. All yeah. But you can still be complete. Like, and that doesn't define me anymore. That happened. He did what he did and he, and it happened. And now I am not that, that doesn't define me. It's very hard to articulate it. No, Um, I think it's good because you're pointing toward childhood. And I think we all know that as children, we don't have a lot of control over it. We're born into sets of stories. We are little creatures trying to explain often horrific things that happen to us or happen around us or to people we love. And we didn't have a lot of choice in that. We are just navigating. And that's actually really healthy. Like trying to figure out how to navigate is really a healthy generative process. But as adults, a lot of times we never reevaluate if those stories that served us at five serve us as we, as we grow up. And we bring those stories into all kinds of relationships. Um, you know, my mom's lived her whole life with the story that she's a burden and, or, you know, that she's weird. And it would be so lovely to watch my mom in her seventies realize like that she's really not a burden that she like, maybe she could write a different story that she's a gift. Yeah. Um, and that she's not weird, you know, like, but whatever it was, like she misses out on some of those, those things because for her, she's always worried about being weird. Yeah. Yeah. And like in the, the people I've watched get complete with childhood abuse, they can let go of stories, even as deep as I deserved that, or I did something to cause it or, um, you know, I'm always going to be hurt by people who are supposed to love me. Like those stories, you can let go of those stories without excusing the behavior of the abuser. Um, no one. And a lot of times from there, that's where people generate some of the best, best things to give their lives to. Yeah. Like, like the ending of child abuse or whatever. I mean, but you can't generate, you can do things that are powerful from a place of loss and trauma and abuse, but they'll not, I I don't believe they'll ever generate as much joy and freedom as if they're from a place of, of generating pure, like, like what if you're generating pure child safety and well-being and peace, like those things are so powerful by themselves 
And when they're connected to a negative story about fear and all those things, like, you know, I really do believe like love, you know, love is the opposite of fear. Right. And yeah. they don't exist well in the same space. So to generate the most powerfully, we want the most lighthearted things. Yeah. Like it's always better to be for something than against something. Like even if you're against, say your stance is I'm against child, uh, childhood abuse, it's much better to be for safety. Right. Um, not because not from a Pollyanna reason, but because that's just such a more powerful place to generate from. And also it's even more expansive because child mm-hmm. safety is like an infinite game, not, not right. in the Simon Sinek sense, but child safety has like no cap, like right. having people be not abused is such a low bar compared to what every child flourishing could be right. like. I'm for children flourishing. So obviously I have to eradicate childhood abuse because children who are abused aren't flourishing, but it's a much more expansive, bigger game to play than I'm out to eradicate childhood abuse. And of course, a lot of times people who've gone through hell have more to say than people, you know, like they know better how to do some of this work and they put it to really good work in the world, but doing the work of generating from a place where the energy isn't all about the yucky stuff is kind of the place of being complete. Yeah, that's that's what is. You know, one of the most beautiful, powerful um, examples of this that you and I have ever seen is um, oh, and shoot, her name is slipping my mind now. The woman from the Rwanda genocide. What is her name? Oh, I was. Ju- I knew you were thinking about her, and now I can't think of her name either. Uh, I, I feel like I'm doing her a disservice, but I'm just old. It's It'll not, pop in your head the minute you. <laughs> it's not because I don't respect her. I'm just old and I can't remember her name, but she was one of a number of women who were um, sheltered for what was it? 90 some days. I mean, I was going to say it was more than, I was thinking more than 45 days. It was a couple months. Hor- horrifying. Yeah. In a little tiny bathroom. There was like 12 of them in a little tiny bathroom while the genocide was, um, was raging. And she spent that time learning English by reading the Bible and um, she, <laughs> I remember she talked about, cause we've heard her speak um, two times. I can picture her with her rosary around her hand and her beautiful. And she has spoken at the UN. I yeah. Mean, I mean, she's just regal in the way she speaks, but her name is Immaculate. Just, Immaculate. Yes. Thank you. Immaculate. Um, she's just a beautiful woman, but she talks about when she first started learning the Lord's prayer that she would skip over as we forgive those who trespass against us, she was like, Nope. And she's very funny the way she talks about it. Um, like, she's like, no, God, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> Cause she was still right. hiding in this bathroom, but, um, she and got her whole the, family was killed. Yes. Her whole family was brutally murdered. Um, and she got to the point where she actually was able to forgive. And she talks about going to visit one of the people in prison and the, and the guard, only let was only wanting to let her in because he was all excited that she would come and like yell at the person or spit in his face or whatever. And at first he didn't want to let her in because she was there to say, I forgive you. Um, and, and it wasn't a Pollyanna thing. She talks about what that took for yeah, her to go to that place to where she could say, I forgive you and genuinely mean it. And, and not erase the crimes that the person right. and and she is just and I don't believe she would have the platform that she has if she wasn't able to get complete like that like she got so I, I'm in awe 
I mean, she's incredibly inspiring. Yeah. I've had people cut me off in traffic who I bear grudges against harder than (laughs) the people that she's, that she's forgiven. And that's what it really means to be complete is like to not let it consume you really. Yeah. But also not to excuse. She wasn't lobbying for that guy to get out of jail. Um, I like how it's amazing. I like how Brene Brown puts it. Um, She says, the best thing to assume always is that everyone's doing their best. And that's assuming positive intent is so, so hard. So she doesn't even say assuming positive intent. She says everyone's doing their best. But that's inside of her conversation, assuming positive intent. No, it's not because the very next thing she says, and some people's best is not good enough. Yeah, and they need to be true. in prison and they need, they're not, they need to not be around children and they need to whatever, but it's just a powerful place to work from. Of like, even as, cause people always say, what about serial killers? She's like, yeah, they're doing their best and their best is really scary and damaging to society and they need to be locked up and handled, but they are yeah. still doing their best and their best is just really shitty. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. say that, but, um, and that's not positive intent, right? Like for most people, you can assume positive intent, but she doesn't even go that far. She's like, everyone's just doing their best. And some people's best is really bad. No, um, for sure. And, and that's, go ahead. But what it, no, I was just going to say, like, ultimately what it takes, the work it takes to assume positive intent or that everybody's doing their best or whatever, like that takes so much work that it points toward the work that it takes to come from nothing or to be complete mm-hmm. or you know. Okay. I have an idea. All right. Because I mean, we were going to bite off this whole topic, but I like the idea. We're kind of sitting in the space between, you know, these like the end of the year and next year, like let's spend some time each of us this week. Um, like really thinking about what there is to complete for ourselves and, and our community, like the people around us and really like talk just the end of this podcast about you know, what kinds of really practical things people can do to get complete. And then next week, let's talk about creating, creating the year, creating a season, like what kinds of things that really could look like and what kinds of tools people can use. Do you like that? I do because of all the years of all the two years to get complete and then create being a two-step process. Um, yeah, <laughs> it is a two-step process, no matter what, right? Like, yeah, I just kind of lump it into this whole thing I do together, but it is two I pieces it's, and it's never all whole. Like there's always things where I'm like, oh yeah, there was that leftover to deal with. But when you yeah. get a lot clean, it always makes space for something new. And I think in a normal year, getting complete and then generating is something you could do in a single session, but I think it is really important to there's so much like even, even the anger I feel over people who refuse to get vaccinated, but then still go to the hospital. Um, that's something to get complete from to, in order to generate in the next year. Right. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm just like consumed with anger about that. And it's not, that's not good for me. And yeah. those are people doing their best and their best is dumb, but they're doing their best <laughs> and their best is stupid and their best so- is dumb. Let, so let's give just some practical ideas for organizer. Yeah, let's, but let's do it. I love it. Like, let's think of giving some really practical ideas for what now Alexa's talking for no apparent reason in the bedroom. I'm sorry. I wonder. I, she's telling me about something. 
Alexa, you are not um, invited to the podcast. You're not invited. Stop looking to me. Did you see the thing that they had to do where a 10-year-old asked Alexa for, for a challenge? And Alexa went to a questionable website and said, here's what you do. Partially unplug the phone charger and then put a penny in the crack. Shush. That didn't yes, happen. It did. It absolutely <laughs> did. It absolutely oh, did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it wasn't wow. Alexa doing it. Like she looked on right, a website. She's just looking at a website. Yeah. And the mother was like, the mother posted a screenshot of it. And she's like, yeah, this is what Alexa just told my, and Alexa even sent a timer. You have 30 minutes, go. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so bad. Yeah, Alexa so just funny told, <laughs> it reminds me of another, I mean, that, that actually happened. It was not a joke, but I saw another joke that said this week that said, Whenever I'm helping my mom with something, kind of like you were helping your dad a couple podcasts ago, uh, setting up her phone or whatever, <laughs> I I try to be really patient because I'll want my daughter to be patient with me when she's trying when to I'm teach me how to turn <laughs> off the house robots during the uprising. <laughs> so true. I think of that all the time. Like I tell Jacob, like, you know, be nice to me when I'm old because it's going to be just like this with different technology, I'm sure. I don't think that'll be the thing with me and Riley, but we'll see. I know because you're so superior. Not I mean, superior. not in a, not in a condescending way, but like your skills are so superior to on the, the techn- on the technology side. I don't know. So far, I haven't found a technology that I can't manage. There are some that I think are dumb, but that's yeah, that's like, true. I got in the car one time with uh, one of the millennials that I used to work with, and my phone didn't connect to the Bluetooth. And he started teasing me like, oh, is it so scary? I said, no, it's because if it, if technology doesn't do exactly what I want, then I want it to fuck off. And the way that my phone interacts with the Bluetooth in my car, it does such annoying shit. Like it'll start up like for some reason, whenever I connect my phone to my car, it decides, oh, you want to play the first song alphabetically in the random shit that's in your iTunes library from ages ago. Cause you know, back when yeah. you used to actually buy music. iTunes, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, if technology tries to anticipate me, it better do it perfectly. Otherwise it should just <laughs> fuck off. So this is not about some old lady not being able to hook it up. It's about the way it does it as not a proper servant is infuriating. It's, a, it's not a proper servant. It's not a proper so servant. Good. Yeah. Like I, I swore at Alexa or Siri one time and she's like, I would never talk to you that way. I'm like, listen, fucking robot. Don't lip off to me. <laughs> you're not a person you are my servant stop being an ass <laughs> as I personify it but like when it doesn't work I get so furious so that's more me into there's some technologies where I'm like that technology can jump up its own asshole because it doesn't work the way I want it to so basically Lynn is going to work this week on getting complete about technology frustrating yes. her it's true <laughs> well, Alexa, what's really me- funny is John is maybe on the opposite spectrum of as you are with technology but he is equally as furious about when things don't work how they're supposed to be like he says all the time oh what does he say basically um like it's almost there Technology's so great but it's almost there and I'm like I don't know it runs your vacuum for you while you're sitting on the couch like that's pretty great like maybe it gets stuck under the couch every three days but that's still better than you running your vacuum he just gets like irate about it. See, and even there, there's a distinction. I want to be super clear. Even there's a, there's a distinction because he gets mad like a crusty old man 
like back in my day, whereas I have a very high level of what I want from technology. And if it doesn't live up to that, I would rather it just stay turned off. Like, yeah, um, I think some of his is like that too. Well, like I used to work, um, you know, I used to write software and there's tools that you can use to write your software. And there was this one that everybody was really familiar and popular. And I used to use that one. And it just, it was like, it was almost like Clippy. Remember how Clippy used to pop up? Like, it looks like you're writing a letter. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> no, I have I, no idea what Clippy is. You I'm don't really remember sorry. Clippy? Um, no. Clippy was in Microsoft Word and he would like pop up. And I remember. <laughs> okay, now I'm swirling. <laughs> but so he used to pop up in the middle of what you were doing and, and try to help you, but he just interrupted your flow. And then when you turned him off, he wouldn't immediately turn off. Like he would always have an animation. So you would like click the window to close him. And then he would have some animation. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm remembering a good friend of mine it, who always went on these hilarious rants. And um, he was like, and I go to click the window and he fucking winks at me and rides off on a bike. Die in a fire, you fucker. <laughs> because... <laughs> because it's interrupting you. But anyway, so I was working with this, this tool. And then I went to a new company and they said, we all use this tool. And I used it. And it was just like only a tiny bit better than the old one, but so much better than the old one because it never interrupted you. If it tried to guess what you were doing, it was always right. Like it never, it was just, I said, it was kind of like having a butler to your hand. That was kind of, it's like the difference between a butler who's like handing you stuff you don't even know you need and a waiter mm-hmm. who comes over right when you're about to put food in your mouth and goes, how's everything? Or asks <laughs> you how your food is before it came. And it's like, you are not, you're just being annoying. So that's where I am with technology. Okay. So someday I'll turn off the house robots just because I don't like the way they look at me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair so enough. My little, okay. Like so back, back, edit to the the, rant back to the topic at hand. No, don't edit the rant out. Those are some of the best moments of the podcast, in my personal opinion. And if anything ever happens to you and I'm still alive, those are the ones I'll be listening to over and over. Like, I miss Liz ranting about me. I miss my friends. Now that she's crazy and can't remember who I am, um, I really am going to go back and listen. To the- I can still listen to you ranting. Even when you won't know who I am, I'm sure you'll be ranting about things. <laughs> I love to miss that. Here you just told oh, me the wrong good thing. To know. You'll be with my old. All right. Um, okay. So I think that there's lots of tools you can look around online. I have in the past the first time I ever did this, I used, um, oh my gosh, shoot, when what's the guy's name who used to be the editor of Success Magazine? And he, the, the guy that did the wheel. Um, he does the wheel and he's, um, he wrote, oh, shoot. I have like four books of his in my Audible library too. Well, anyway. <laughs> It's not. Dang it, I thought you were going to be helpful. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, looking it up I for could... you. Okay, thank you. Darren um, Hardy. Yes, thank you. He wrote um, lots of he wrote lots of good content. But he has so if you Google Darren Hardy um, year in review or like goal planning, like he has a thing. It's really inexpensive. They have a digital download so you can get instant gratification, and he has audio recordings of each chapter that you can listen to. And then go through and do the work. That has been a super powerful process in my life. I can literally picture the first time I was doing it on an airplane. It was like life-changing. 
Yeah, living your um, best year ever is what that journal is yes. called. Um, and I think so he has I like audio. That. I think he has some audio content along with it. It's not just a journal. And we talked about on this podcast before about when we were talking about evenly up leveling. We were talking about humanity, but also individually, because he also is very into like that you can be overdeveloped in one place and underdeveloped in another place. And that's not good for you. Like that you, you will max out. And this is what all of us tend to do, right? We have our favorite things, right? Like you with empathy and me with gratitude or whatever, um, where max out on empathy for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But we, no, but we, no, you don't max out. I'm I'm saying the other way. I'm totally teasing. I'm teasing. But I'm saying the other way, like you have a favorite thing. Like, let's say your favorite thing is athletics you can max out your body and not be able to go any farther because maybe your um, like ability to connect with people is stunted and you will max out your, even the yeah. things that you love, they will hit and stall. They'll hit a ceiling because you can't be that unbalanced and still function. So he focuses a lot on bringing balance to your life. And this is different than like, if you're bad at math and you're in school and you always focus on where you got to see, that's not what that's about. No, that's about about. your whole being, being integrated enough to keep momentum going in your life. Because if you go, you know, highly perform in work and you are terrible in your family life and miserable, the dip of energy alone that that causes in a day or week um, will ultimately have an impact on the ability you can have anywhere. I right, yeah. think that's even, very accurate. Even work, which you love will eventually, it'll either stall or it'll take more to generate it, or it will attack your physical health more. Like it just won't develop. There's only so far that you can stretch in one dimension without also expanding in another direction without hitting a max. It's just how people work. And I think too, right? Like we, I think both of us fairly could say that one of the areas of our life that we most neglect is our physical well-being. Yes. And sometimes often the, the like absolute catapults I have in my business are in times when I focus the most on my physical well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are just some examples of that, but yes, he gets into that totally guided through would take you, you know, like probably 20 hours to go through his whole entire thing, but you would end up with, at the end goals for the year, um, daily, like activities that would lead to those goals. Like it's very good. It's also very masculine. And so for myself, I've softened the edges of this a little bit in the last, um, seasons. And I've used some other workbooks and notebooks that I really like. Um, but I'm also into instant gratification and I can't recommend a lot of them because they're not digital. Um, I would say that, um, I don't want people to hear the 20 hours and think that's the only way to get any value because I never spent when we got those journals, the year you, (laughs) this is how this always works. Allie's like, I got us two journals for this thing. I'm like, all right. Um, (laughs) But the year you got us those journals and we did it together, there's no way I spent 20 hours. There's no way, but I still got value out of it. Yeah. You, I mean, do what you're going to do in the process, but I mean, for somebody who wants to do something, you really dig in. That's I think a phenomenal tool. The other thing though, that I would recommend is get a journal and just start looking for the areas that are really charged or the places you've really grieved or the things that feel like they generate the most anger or sadness or frustration or, you know, sense of loss when you look over the last season or year of your life, because those are the things 
to look at how to get complete about and yeah. look at, you know, like you can ask yourself really simple questions like what actually happened? <laughs> and you can ask yourself like, what stories do I have about what happened? Um, you know, like I'll be really, really vulnerable here, but in my, in this current season, right? Like there's been so much with my children and you know, what happened with, you know, my dog, actually, let me tell this different story. Cause I think it's a really great example of completion too. Well, I'll finish that. Cause I still want to be vulnerable, but I said, you know, like I could look at what happened with my daughter and having her foot amputated and like these, you know, the months and months of life and our finances and our, all the things we poured into that. And I could, you know, say, and then I could look at also what happened with my younger daughter and her being mentally ill and be like, I no longer support adoption. <laughs> like I could easily, and I certainly don't support adoption as naively as I once did, but I could carry all that, you know, into, you know, like every child I loved is a waste or whatever. Right. And then that, or like, it's not worth being a parent. Like I could write a lot of things to protect myself around the stories of what happened, or I can tell myself better stories about, and it's easier in the near future, right? Like something that just happened before I let it set in and harden around my heart. Like I can tell myself better stories. And we even talked about one on the podcast where, um, my, um, like when I was talking to my therapist and she said, like, you get to go into everything with a clean heart. And when I messaged one of Peggy's doctors and at Christmas and just thanked her, um, she said that my husband and I are people with pure souls. And I just love, like, she's like, you guys are really rare people with pure, pure souls. And I just thought like, that was maybe one of the most beautiful compliments. And I wanted to hold on to that story about how I went through hell. And um, I get to choose, like, I get to choose like which story I wrap myself around. So, right. and, and to add in, and, and sorry, if I'm making this more vulnerable for no, you, do. you have had, you have struggled with the story of, is this worth it? Like, this isn't just you sitting down and being like, and I decided that it's all worth it. And I would never say, <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't that you and I have been on the phone where we have talked through this, you know, hours, are you going to take on the story that it wasn't worth it to adopt these kids? Like, it's not that that story didn't occur to you and that it didn't hold some kind of draw or temptation or charge, or it would be easier for me if this were true. Like, that's a story that you held in your hand and chose to put back down. But also I can evaluate my resources and the time and the cost of parenting. And, you know, even some of my friends who have judged some of my parenting, maybe that like, you would never have picked these children up to start with. Right. And I can look at like, what was, what is the real cost and what, what do I want to do in the future and whatever it is. Right. But it doesn't have the same charge because when the little creature showed up in my life, I approached it wholeheartedly with everything I had on the table to give. And I would approach, you know, each thing in my life that way, you know, with of course, like more wisdom as I grow and mature, but that's part of it. Right. Right. But I think the decision you made, the story that you chose to tell and keep is more powerful because you actually held the story and considered the story and like rolled it around. This wasn't worth it. I'm not saying you took it on, but you did contemplate it right was this worth it 
And that wasn't a, a, a one hour with your journal experience. No. Like, and also getting... the trauma was that one hour, right? Like right. it was a hugely traumatic experience and but like, you know, getting, a lot to it. Getting complete often usually is gross. At least part of it is gross. It's yeah, not like, for sure. I mean, I've seen people to get back to the example we were using of breakups where both of the people have the skills to actually complete the relationship in the moment in a way that's really healthy. Like, yeah, we're going to complete this, you know, we're completing this and we're moving on with this relationship instead or no relationship instead. And they actually complete it right then. But most of us don't have the skills to do that in the moment. Um, And so getting complete. I dated somebody who was Weimar graduate who like we dated after I got divorced and that was absolutely the experience like of the romantic relationship that like we were done. We both were done. We got complete about it, what it was and what it wasn't. And we were friends afterward. Oh yeah. I mean, you must be thinking of someone else that I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> it, I said about the romantic part of the relationship. Oh, got it. Okay. All right. Fair. Like it was just complete, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. our work relationship was more muddy, but our romantic relationship was just it was oh it was complete and there was nothing to it there wasn't any drama like it was just what it was right yeah we are no longer we're no longer in this relationship um and there can be a lot to talk about and a lot to you know but but in general i'm warning you (laughs) that if you go through these completion (laughs) exercises it might feel yucky um and most things with a good word do feel yucky at least a little bit feel yucky yeah but i think starting to look and dig and just hold up like what is there to leave in 2021 like just they don't all have to be like, it doesn't have to be super heavy, right? Like what right. are things I might need to go do some therapy on? Like, what are things that I just can take forward that need work or that I need help getting complete on? Or maybe I'm going to register for the forum. Like a lot of our goals can come out of, out of those spaces, especially when we look and see like, oh, I can't, I'm having a hard time getting complete or whatever. One of my favorite exercises that I look at um, comes from Brene that around getting complete is Brene Brown has this idea that comes from Judaism actually, but it really helped me growing up in the Christian uh, or not growing up, but being steeped in the Christian like ideology around forgiveness. And she basically said like, for there to be real forgiveness, um, these Jewish pastors or rabbis who she was working with, something has to die. And it was so informative for me because when I look at how do I give forgive, you know, the season or Peggy for how she responded after, you know, we turned our life upside down to care for her or how do I forgive my little daughter who's mentally ill or, you know, cause there's still a lot of damage. And when I hold those things and it's this Pollyanna, like just forgive because it hurts you more than it hurts the other person. But when I hold like what being the, like for me with Josie, a good example is I forgave Josie because I had to let go of what it was like to that, like the story about being her mom, what that was going to be about had to die. Right. And when I could let that die, then I could let go, but that's a really powerful way of getting complete. And I think we have to do that in marriage and friendship and even things we stay in. Like I, we've done that with each other, you know, over the years, like, you know, how this relationship was going to be had to change or evolve. And that's a really healthy, beautiful process. And it doesn't always involve the ending of a relationship either. Right, right, exactly. And, and, you know, I've talked to this, I've talked about this with um, a friend of mine, and actually I have another friend who is 
starting, she's developing a practice around grief, like a business around mm. grief. And yeah. um, I have a girlfriend and we both have one child each. Like we don't have a child together. <laughs> we each yeah. have one child. And um, <laughs> in case you didn't know, one's married to a man. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm and married she still to a man. mostly likes men. Yeah, I do like men. I just told the patriarchy of men are the same. <laughs> anyway, we've talked about that sometimes you have to grieve the life that you thought you were going to have. Um, yeah. And I think you talked about this a little bit on the gratitude practice that it can be really tricky because we have a story culturally that you can't be in gratitude and grief at the same time. And oh, wow. you, don't you think, don't you think we mm. believe that? Like, I don't, I think I'm so detached from what society says about it, but maybe like you're either in this positive, I don't know that I, I agree with you. I don't think I experienced gratitude quite that same way, but yeah. there's a cultural conversation that you can't be grateful for the life you have and grieve what you don't have at the same time. Like, yeah you try to grieve something and people say, well, you know, you have, but you have such a beautiful child and she's healthy. Exactly. Exactly. Because both of us were in a life that we thought we were going to have more than one child. And I love my life with one child. I love my child. I can see how perfect it is, especially given. You're really glad you don't have my children. (laughs) That's different. But, um, but there was something to be grieved, right? And not having another yeah. child and she the same way. And it's like uh, a lot of times people with secondary infertility feel like they can't talk about it because they have, you know, two children maybe, and then they want a third and then they find out they can't have another baby. And mm-hmm. there's people don't allow them to grieve. Like in general, they're like, you have two kids, shut up is kind of what we give them. Right. So part of getting complete can be um, grieving what has died. And what has died can often be, I mean, this, for fuck's sake, just look at the pandemic. This isn't the life I wanted to live the last two years, let alone anything else, right? Like normally even dumb stuff, right? Like normally the week right. between Christmas and New Year's, we go to Roadhouse, our favorite cinema, and we like binge and we go to the movies almost every day and we're just eating popcorn and binging movies. And now we're not doing that. And that's not what I want. Um, right. And I'm grateful that we're healthy and I'm grateful that we have all the food we need. We can binge movies at home, whatever. It doesn't matter. But getting complete can often be like killing something <laughs> and then grieving yeah. its death and then moving on. Yeah. And I think, I think being able to separate those things is like a healthy process, like for there really to be, you know, a place where what needs to go for something to be new here or to really let it go. Like, I couldn't forgive someone who abused me without going, Hey, that relationship is over, but it seems like such a, yeah, duh, but it really isn't culturally. Right. So, okay. This has definitely been another one of our long podcasts and for sure the creation one will be another long podcast when we do it. But I want to tell a story I think I've already told on the podcast, but I think it's like the perfect pin for the end of this. And it's short. It's not funny. Sorry. But when I think everybody, mostly, if you've been listening to this podcast knows my daughter was in a bad accident, my older daughter, Peggy, and she um, hit her feet on a boulder. And then five months later, after going through, you know, so many surgeries and just hell, she finally had one of her feet amputated. But someone in her um, community of amputees um, gave her this advice. And she wrote on her foot before they cut it off, like, thank you for saving my life. Thank you for all the adventures. Um, 
like that was a process where she got complete and I just even though it was like such a horrifying story when I look over the year um it's one of the most like beautiful brave like things I can think of that happened during this year in my life because when we talk about completion because it really was like her process of getting complete like this is over this journey we had you know where you're my my foot is over and something new has to come in its place but I think that you know hopefully in lesser degrees we can like take some of those things on in this week like what needs to go that we can be thankful for that it's it was part of our life and served us at one point and now it's time to move on yeah that's a that's a perfect example of completion and completion where something had to die that you didn't want to die yeah yeah for sure like what a sad I mean, especially for her, right? Like, I'm sure the grief is still unfolding. Um, and what it's like, going to be like is going to be part of her life forever. But how she approached that moment was, you know, in my opinion, very beautiful. Yeah, there's probably still a lot to be done. But that was a um, sorry, I started coughing when you started talking. I was um, like, that was cry, Lynn. We've already heard. I'm this not story. crying. I'm gagging. Um, <laughs> no, that was an important. That's what's <laughs> happening with all of 22. I'm I know, not right? crying. I'm gagging. 21. I'm, I'm sorry, not 20. I'm just gonna throw up, and then that'll be it. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that was an important step toward getting complete. And like, actually, there we just redid the house. More stories, and then we got to go. Yeah, we just redid the house. A lot of the house this year. And you have heard me many times talk about how much I didn't like this house and like complain about, you know, I hate it, whatever. And a few years ago, I got to some level of completion where I was like, wait a minute, I don't consider this my home, but my husband and my daughter do. So if this is their home and not my home, I don't like what that means at all. And so I got complete Mm -hmm. with that. But then I was listening to a coach I really like, and she's, um, she lives in Korea with her husband and he's, uh, he grew up there. So he's more in, in the traditional, you know, beliefs and stuff. And, um, they're planning on, they were planning at the time of moving and he would even say things to her, like, don't say that in front of the apartment, you know, when they were planning (laughs) on moving out of the house or moving to a new place. And I was like, Oh, that's something really, um, really important. So actually before we went, before we did the all the work that we did, replacing the floors and everything. And a lot of it really did need to be done. Um, This house has been damaged by the flipper we bought it from and the person who owned it before that. We did a bunch of DIY stuff that was like, when you stand back and look, I was like, oh my gosh, this was like a beautiful woman who was beaten up. Um, And so I went around to each room in the house and apologized for the mean things that I had said and thanked the house, like in the kitchen, I thanked for all the meals and in the place where Riley used to play as a little girl, I thanked for, you know, keeping her dry and safe and giving her a place to play with her toys and like all that. And I went around to each one and, and even told the house, like, I can't wait to restore you or to, to give healing to this injury. Like there was a place where instead of a window, someone had just put a piece of glass with framing around it. Like that was a wound on the house. Like we're going to take care of this. And I can't tell you how much it changed the way I feel about the house, even before we did all of the work. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it also increased my ability to appreciate, like, I mean, 
really when you look at the circumstances, right? One kind of tile was switched to another kind of tile and a hole was filled in like that kind of stuff. But the the gratitude and feeling, I can't, I can't even articulate this. The way I feel inside the space is completely transformed, not mm. because of the work we did, but because of that stuff. And even changing the way that I looked at the work, I can take so much pride in all of the work we put in because it feels like restoring dignity to a house that was abused. Mm, nice. There I'm all wooey too now. Yeah. But that's some of the stuff, right? Like right. starting to take on, like what is there to complete? What is there to, yeah. to hold on yeah. to? Yeah. I mean, even if you don't believe in it energetically, that was a really powerful completion that I don't know if I would have enjoyed the, the renovation as much um, without doing that first. Yeah. No, you wouldn't have first. Right. Like, um, like even, uh, the life coach school where I'm, where I am certified, there's some podcasts. I wish I, we, we had talked about this before because there are some, I'm sure you could use to get complete, but she talks about like never leaving from, how does she put it? Like, basically, if you want to leave a relationship, get to the place where like you love and you still choose to go, like never leave from hate, never leave from anger, never leave from, and that's not again about not getting safe, right? Like if you're not safe, then get out and get complete from a place of safety. Don't, don't wait to get complete if you're not safe. Um, but she talks about that, like getting to nothing, essentially, like I could stay or I could leave and I choose to leave. Yeah. It's good. So, all right. On that note, maybe I'll, uh, if I can find some of those podcast resources, I'll throw them in the show, show notes. Okay. That sounds awesome. Okay. So on that All right. note, see you next year. See you next year in the ladies room. <laughs> in the ladies room. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at a spacious life on Facebook, Instagram, and in clubhouse and find Allie at 5 billion entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thank you.